Welcome to the Hooked Hunting Podcast. Connor Olstead here, Kenneth Byers, and we have of the same last name but no relation, Joe Byers here today. So we're going to be talking hunting stories out the wazoo. Uh, we have lots of history here sitting at this table, so uh, stick around. You won't want to miss it. I am ready for battle. That is our intro there, Joe. <laughs> I'm sure you've actually been on some of those hunts. That I think from. I remember some of those things. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yep. So, Joe, you, we call you Uncle Joe. Yeah. And I, well, the first time I was here, Ken comes up to you, Uncle Joe, you know, and I was like, oh, they're related. That's kind of cool. It's a family camp and maybe Joe started it or nope. This is, there's no uncle relation <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. Well, it's crazy because he does look like my uncle Gene. <laughs> yeah. So it, I'm like, somehow, some way we're, we are related. Same yeah. last name. Well, where that comes from is that I'm always the oldest person in camp. <laughs> and sometimes I'm three times as old as the people that I got with. So anyway, I guess it was a, just a, a bit of respect or just uh, uh, a way of dealing with my uh, my age being out of sync with all the other young guys that are out here running around. Yeah, hey, you're keeping up, so that's good. That's good. <laughs> and you you do some writing. I, I do. I started writing uh, when I was about a little 32, I think, is when I started, and uh, actually killed uh, the biggest deer I'd ever seen and decided that uh, uh, it had a really good, one really good picture of it. And uh, I'd, I'd look at that picture and I thought, you know, that would make a good story. I should write that up and try and send it to a magazine because I, I don't know what I, if I read Dick and Jane, but I read Outdoor Life and Field mm -hmm. and Stream and I read all those magazines when I was a kid. And um, anyway, I, I, I talked to a, um, a local newspaper guy who gave me some tips more about photography than about anything else and got paid $50 for it. And I was on cloud nine. My God, I finally got an article published and I thought... Hey, you know, that wasn't so hard. Maybe I could do another one. And I don't know I've done, I, I've published, I guess, a thousand since that time. I mean, it's been, yeah. it's been 40 years since I've been doing that. Wow. So. Okay. Yeah. And you, you were a, a superintendent, a principal? No, I was a, I was an elementary school principal. Okay. And, um, <clears throat> but I, I adopted a philosophy long ago that there's no such thing as someday. Okay, people always say, someday I'm going to go here. Someday I'm going to hunt that. Someday I'm going to do this. And I started, um, and I'll go back to why that all got started in a minute, but I, I, just, I just never did that. And, and all the time I was a principal, I was also hunting. Uh, I would come out with Ken, uh, do a weekend. I'd leave, uh, put the kids on the school bus Thursday night. Mm -hmm. I could take Friday off, uh, and I'd be hunting Friday, Saturday, hunt Sunday till noon, drive to an airport, fly home at one o'clock in the morning and be at school at seven o'clock. And, uh, wow. and I did that for 10 years, I guess, or 15 maybe. And, uh, it, it, it always worked for me and, uh, it gave me a chance to do really have dual careers at the same time. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. And, and you are quite the staple when it comes to these camps. I don't think there has been a camp. I think there might've been one that something had happened that you weren't you weren't at the camp, maybe, from the 12 or 13 camps I've been to. But um, how did you first meet 
uh, Joe, Ken. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting story. We carried the same last name, and so many times that uh, I'd be uh, doing some kind of an industry function, whether it was SHOT Show or ATA, ATA, they'd say, hey, you related to Joe Byers. And I'm like, we carry the last name, and there's a lot of similarities. Well, you got to meet Joe. That guy, is, he's, a good, he's a good guy, and uh, um, the things that you do and the things that he does, there's something that needs to, you guys need to get together. So I don't know if it was turkey hunting that we did the first The, the first, first The first time... <laughs> The first time uh, we did a turkey hunt, uh, you invite. I'm not sure how the invitation came. We did, they didn't have email then, <laughs> and you, I had written directions, uh, and uh, and again, I was the school principal, so I got in it. Uh, I got into Rapid City at at ten thirty or eleven o'clock on the mm-hmm. last flight in. Uh, rented a car and drove out to the middle of a, an Indian reservation that I had n- never been to before, and I remember finding uh, finally a cabin. Uh, out in the in the middle of nowhere, and I opened the door, and it's completely dark. Mm. And, and I thought to myself, "Am I in the right cabin?" Yeah, wake <laughs> so, up and <laughs> get out. <laughs> Am I going to be shot? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, there was an empty bed right by the door, so I just laid down and went to sleep. And when the alarms started going off and coffee started perking, I and then I recognized a couple people in the cabin. So there you go. I was in the right spot. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, and that was how many years ago? Uh, Twenty, Joe? I think. Actually, yeah. I think I think two thousand and three was the first year I was here. Yep, and wow. it, to Connor's point, the, every camp after that, or the majority of them, Joe's been a part of it, and and uh, you know the biggest reason, so to speak, is your passion and uh, the uh, how Joe relates to other people and makes everybody feel comfortable and the vast experience that Joe has had in the field and and, and our camps are known to bring people who have little experience, so to speak, yes, that absolutely. everybody's welcome. Yeah. Yep. If they shoot a big deer, if they shoot a big tom, if they shoot a small deer or a smaller deer, everybody is still very gratulatory to that individual and Joe's been a big part of it. Yeah. Yep. And we eat it all too. That's the other thing. Nothing goes to waste here. So, yeah. And that, and yeah, when I first came, I was doing a lot of like product videos here at, at the different camps. And, um, I always remember that, you know, Joe was always the one willing to be on camera and say all the facts and everything. And it was because mainly of his interest in the products. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was really cool is, and really yeah. the products and the people, you know, cause people would come and, and he's just interested in where you are from the world. What, uh, you know, what, what that product does, what you're coming out with, what you're talking about, what you're doing. And, um, yeah, so I always thought that that was pretty cool. Yeah. In, in, uh, Joe, he, the cool thing about uncle Joe is that he never, he never met anybody who he didn't want to be friends with Yeah, and, and have a positive influence with and too. And from that perspective, um, I can't, I can't even tell you how many times uncle Joe, I came to you because you were maybe the elder statesman in the group but you're very kind you're very kind but it's it's one of those things where i said hey i have a young lady or a young person that would i think would take your advice better than anybody that's in camp and if you would if you would be willing to sit with them on that point while we're deer hunting or whatever that might be and just kind of walk them through talk them through um this the experience 
I think they'll have a better chance of being successful. And Uncle Joe was Johnny on the spot every single time. He was willing to sacrifice his personal hunting time on on the hunt for uh, to support somebody to to just um, be successful in the field for the very first time. Yeah, and I remember I remember one story or one time um, because you know I come here to film and everything like that. And one of the big things that is crucial is getting the kill shot and for what we were doing and where we were posting it was you know the average views were something in the 50,000s or whatever for these videos and (laughs) and um and joe didn't joe was not a camera guy was not with him but he ended up getting a deer you know and i was like okay well i guess we'll i'll i'll go over and you know film him cutting this deer up or something like that and you remember this story joe I, I know you want to take over going. i know where you're going yeah you want to take over well yeah I, when when i got here uh, i met uh, some fellows from from uh, from michigan and the one fellow told me he said yeah yesterday he said i saw a pack of coyotes chasing an eight point and it had a broken a broken beam and i said well did you shoot the coyotes cuz yeah, he said no. I don't. Know, it was too far away. Whatever he didn't shoot anyway. So, um, I killed the deer that morning in my my secret spot that everybody knows about here. And uh, <laughs> as I was coming back, I had to cross a stream and I looked down the stream and here is an eight point with a broken tine, and it's completely devoured. Mm. So the coyotes got the deer and killed it and ate it. And so um, I went back and got you and got somebody else. I forget who it was to go and help help get the deer out. And and on it was the way, Autumn and we were with one other. Per- and my, huh? Was it Micah? No, yeah, I think it was Jason Morton. Was it? I think so. It, I know it was me and Autumn at least because she was the most um, exaggerated with her, <laughs> you know, her facial expressions at the time. So. It was it was a young guy. I can't remember who it was. Mm. Uh, yeah, but anyway. Well, anyway, you were the you were the you were running the camera, and yeah. you were you were uh, and, it, and we didn't talk about this before. Correct. It was yeah. a, it was all a surprise. Uh, it occurred to me as we're walking back that I'd have a little play a little game, and so I said, so I said the deer's over here. We have to go over and get it out of the stream, and so we walk over and look down, and suddenly here's this skeleton, and. Uh, <laughs> I said, "Oh my God! Look what happened to my deer!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was it, it was convincing. It was totally convincing. He's like, "Oh, oh my goodness!" You know, it was like it was like he was surprised. You know, it, and and he played it off. He's like, "Yeah, I've been waiting here for an hour and a half, two hours for you guys." You know, I just you know need some help. I wanted to go cut it up with somebody and whatever. And and he come, we're coming over, and and as soon as I see it, I flick my camera on. And of course, I'm ahead because I want to get everybody walking up to the deer, you know, and, and I was like, <gasps> you know, and I'm always searching for a story. So I flick my camera on, point it back at him. And and so you can go watch his surprise. It is like, it's real, you know, it's it's organic. <laughs> and then Autumn comes up. She's like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Those coyotes, you know, and we come running over and to the deer and, and, uh. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, and eventually somebody figured it out and yeah. said, "Wait, that that the coyotes didn't eat the deer that fast." Something. Well, I know. Right we here. asked you. We were like, "That oh. was that was so quick. It was two hours, three hours, like, <laughs> you know." And then you're like, 
Yeah, that's not my deer. <laughs> You're like, that would be fast if it was my deer. I think that's that was the exact line that you said, but Okay. Well, but, yeah. and I was amazed that you got all the facial expressions yeah. because I, you know, I again, this was totally impromptu. Yeah. So that was uh <laughs> So then we went over and we cut up his deer and I just filmed him, you know, um filmed him talking about the story and then filmed him cutting up the deer. And I made a little like montage. It was the days when I was do- editing this the same day. And so his story was being told while we were looking at it. But that hook at the beginning, because, you know, everybody was surprised at the deer, must have kept people because it was the most watched video that season. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of like 75 to, to like 120, somewhere in there, 125,000 views. Okay. And it did not have a kill shot. It did not even have... Like uh, any weapon in it, <laughs> maybe that's why it did so well. But it, uh, yeah, I was like, well, he's a storyteller, and we know that. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was a good one. And um, and last year you were here for turkey season, and that was a whole different kind of story. Yeah, you want to talk about that? Well, let me start. <laughs> Uncle Joe, being an outdoor writer. And uh, freelance outdoor writer, writes for many outlets. And uh, I said, Uncle Joe, you know you're on the front side of a six-day hunt. And we got some great people in this, what we would call a segment for this three-day period. And you got two tags. So let's shoot a nice turkey, you know, if we get fortunate on the first uh, three days. And let's um, shoot one with the second group of folks and using their shotguns or what, whatever it might be, uh, on, uh, the second leg. So take it over, Uncle Joe. <laughs> so I get here and, uh, uh, to get here, uh, there's a cool flight from, from Baltimore. Uh, if, if I get on the six o'clock flight, I can be in Rapid City at 10 o'clock in the morning. Wow. So, yeah, so that gets me in camp at noon uh, on the same day I leave, which is pretty amazing. And, and that's what happened. I got in here at noon or maybe one o'clock. And, and, and although Ken and I have hunted together for 20 years, it's rare when he and I get to hunt because he always has his clients and yeah. sometimes I help with the clients. And you know what well. you're doing with your own. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, most of it I've done before. So um, anyway, Ken said, do you want to go hunting? And I said, yeah, especially with you. That's cool. So uh, we grabbed the uh, a decoy and uh, he said i think i know where there's some turkeys and we went over to a, a lookout spot and sure enough we we're able to glass see two big long beards so we have to we have to uh, walk balance a beam across a tree to get across the creek and we got over there and anyway did the usual thing we sneak up try and get within a hundred yards of them and um and then and then use the fan to to bring it bring them in and so everything was going to, as as planned and um, uh, Ken has the has the fan up and the turkey. He says, "He says here they come." So they're coming at me. I said, "Do you want me to shoot two? No, just shoot one." Okay. So because we have two tags where we're at, we have two you tags. Shoot yeah. two. Yeah. Yep. yeah, you get when you buy a license here, you get two tags. So yep. so we come in and uh, and uh, you know they they're coming just at about twenty yards and and the the one is the most aggressive is in front and the other one is to the back. And so I thought, okay, this is it. So I shoot, and just as I shoot, the the turkey behind walks in the line of fire. So, so I have a I have a six day hunt. I hunt twenty five minutes. <laughs> My tags are filled. 
And all Uncle Joe could do is I turned to him and I goes, what did you just do? And he just sat there and did his Uncle Joe giggle <laughs> under his face mask. So I couldn't even see his expression, but I could see it in his eyes. Oops, I did it again. Yeah, it was It was an, an, another time. I told this story already today. Somebody's doing the dishes in, in camp. We got here and there must have been a 40 mile an hour wind blowing. This was during the deer season. And uh, I mean, most people are just sitting around camp. And I thought, you know what? It, it's it, If I use a grunt tube, I, I'm a, a, an avid grunt tube user. And uh, if I got downwind of the this uh, uh, creek that we hunt a lot, uh, I bet I could call a, a deer in. And, and sure enough, within an hour, I had called in and killed a, a, a nice eight point. But it was the same situation now. Okay, I, but you only have one deer tag. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. So for the next six days, I helped wash dishes. And I did all, all the kind of stuff that I didn't really come to South Dakota to do. Yeah. <laughs> but so I thought to myself, we're never doing that again. <laughs> yep. In turkey camp, there's always enough uh, enough people to go out and do things, and you can t- do photography and so forth. But deer hunting, it's a little different. It's not not quite as involved. But uh, yeah. Anyway, which was, one do you enjoy doing more? I, I don't know. I, I, I enjoy hunting, I, any kind, especially the interactive part. I think the cool thing about the turkey hunting is that, you know, if you can get them to gobble, if you can a- anticipate, uh, you know, what's going to happen. Like, like yesterday, I was with a friend, just he and I. We had state tags, so we had to hunt on, on uh, very specific properties. But uh, we were able to uh, – actually, the first turkey we went after had gone into some tall – uh, thick timber, a lot of brush, and so forth. Up as we're cracking our way into there, I thought, you know, this is never going to work. But but we got in, sat down, were patient, and uh, uh, did some calling, and finally got a gobble. And uh, uh, we thought that's promising. So we used the decoy, and it just—I guess it took an hour. But suddenly, the bird's right in front of us, and so he changed his mind and came in, and Bob killed a nice, nice big long beard. Yeah. And and then in the later on that evening we came back to the pretty much the same place and there were turkeys coming to roost and we found one that we could intercept and uh, cool. called him into thirty seven yards and done. Very cool. Do you do you hunt much back where you're from? I I do. I hunt I hunt a fair amount. I I mostly do crossbow stuff now. I've I've written uh, I've written more crossbow books than anybody in the world. Hey, okay. yeah, that's right. And that's two. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> nobody, shout nobody, out! <laughs> shout out to Joe Byers's crossbow book. What's the name of it, Joe? Uh, the Ultimate Guide to Crossbow Hunting. Very good. Um, and and the other one is the world for the world record. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had this idea. I thought, you know, as, as since we're in a digital age, and it was going to be a digital book, what if I linked each paragraph or each topic to a YouTube video? And it's called Crossbow Hunting, a YouTube quick guide. And so if you download it, uh, there's a whole lot of links. Wow. I mean, every paragraph has a link. And so if you're talking about how to tune a bow or, or, or arrows or, or weight versus a speed or any of those things, um, it, if you click a link, it goes to a, a YouTube video. Now, they're not mine. But they're mm-hmm. somebody else's. But it's, it's really kind of an encyclopedia. And I thought... This is going to catch on. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It didn't. Yeah. 
It will now that you're on okay. Hooked Honey well, yeah. okay. podcast. Did, yeah, they pro- did you have the full link in there? Um, oh, or yeah. QR code? Uh, no, I didn't have QR codes. Um, okay. But it's before um, that time. See, this I did this about four years ago. Okay. Uh, the, the ultimate guide to, to uh, crossbow hunting is... It weighs two point two pounds. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, you get your you get your money's worth. Yeah. Because it and and I I usually you you bring books and pass them out to friends and so forth, but I can only carry five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should I should have written it on lightweight paper. Or something. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um. Uh. So you also uh, do some hunting overseas too. I I was going to ask you what your favorite hunting is, but you kind of alluded to the fact that. You don't really have a favorite, you know. Yeah, you I, you hunt everything that you can. I, I like the I like the adventure of it, and and let me go back way back to 1963. Mm. In 1963, my grandfather retired from the well drilling business, and all his life he'd wanted to go to Alaska, and uh, he uh, he bought a, a Jeep FC 170, which was a cab over Jeep. They only made it for a couple of years. He put a uh, camper on the back, and he and his my grandmother, uh, who couldn't drive, w- w- took off for Alaska, and I was the insurance policy because I had just turned 16, and I could drive, and if Grandpa had a fourth heart attack, he'd already had oh three. <laughs> yeah, there was, they were worried that he wasn't going to come back. So yeah. Anyway, so they took me along, and I spent four months on the road. Um, we toured, uh, spent a month in Alaska, just going virtually covering every corner of the state. And on the way back, we went on a big game hunt in the Yukon territory. And it was the most, uh, other than I say the birth of my daughter and marrying my wife, it's probably the, one of the most, uh, impactful things that ever happened to me because when I came back, I was a different person than when I left. Yeah. And so I, I tried to impart that on other people if I can. And you ask about Africa. Actually, I got to Africa by a bomb scare. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Does that sound like a story? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me more. Yeah. Uh, ATA show in Nashville, Tennessee, I guess 1993. Um, uh, there was a bomb scare at the ATA show when everybody had to go back to the hotels. And so you have all the writers sitting around telling stories. And Neil Summers, um, who's a bow hunting consultant, happened to be sitting at the table. We got talking, and he said, Joe, you got to go to Africa. That's really fun bow hunting there. And I, I said, well, okay, what do I have to do? He said, I'll take care of it. Hmm. And so, um, you know, he didn't pay for the way, but but he set up in, with people he knew, and, and I went over and had just a great experience. I had, uh, let me just think, I took, I took two bows, Two black powder guns and a thirty out six, a Remington. Okay. So I had all those packed in one bag. Wow. <laughs> you can imagine that. Because <laughs> you could fly seventy pounds then. And I must have had sixty nine and a half. <laughs> but but you know, I got I got a lot of press out of it. I wrote for black powder magazines. I wrote I don't know what the Remington story was, but something and then and then a number of bow hunting and and uh, and the people were real pleased with the publicity I've gotten and they invited me back and I, I've been there at least 25 times. In my wow. Life, so, yeah. And, uh, and I took, I took one of my, one of my grandsons and now I've taken four grandsons to Africa and f- five grandsons to Alaska. Wow. So I'm still trying to impart that same 
adventurous spirit in uh, And how old were you when that happened in Alaska? Um, I was 16, just 16. Mm -hmm. It was 1963. That's right. You said that. Mm -hmm. Year before the big uh, earthquake up there. Okay. Wow. That that is really cool. That's really cool. And and um, so how you said you've been to Africa like twenty five different times. So what like run me through a little bit of that about like what Africa looks like. Well, hunting in Africa, like uh, I have nothing to compare it to. I've never been. Okay, well, a couple of things. Number one, it's you hunt in our summer. So you know if you go elk hunting or if you go to Montana or something, you have to give up your your season back right. home. You don't have to do that. Uh, number one, you leave Washington, D.C. when it's 100 degrees and 100% humidity. Yeah. And you go to a place where it's uh, 50 in the afternoon and f- and 40 at night. So Ooh, okay. it's, it's cold. It's dry. There's there's no bugs. There's no snakes. Every day is a sunny day. There d- never rains. Uh, hmm. It's, I mean, the uh, the conditions are ideal. Uh, people want you to come. They're, they're, you're very welcoming. You have lots of help. Um, you shoot something, they come and track it, they come and get it, they take it to the skinning shed, yeah. uh, they butcher it, and you have it for dinner, and I mean, it's just, it's it's a hunter's dream. What do you do, what happens to the meat after that? Uh, well, one of three things, I guess. Well, number one, you eat some of it in camp, but obviously if you shoot a 500-pound animal, you can't eat the whole thing. <laughs> no? Okay. Well, maybe you. <laughs> but but um, when they, uh, w- what's different in Africa with a downed animal is that they never got them in the field. They load it, even if it weighs 2,000 pounds. They get it in a vehicle or on a trailer, and they take it to every every African facility has a, a butcher shop, mm-hmm. something that would be would pass inspection here in the States. I mean, they have cold storage, place to hang, and so forth. And they skin everything down because the Africans eat a lot of the insides. They uh, yeah. Uh, a stomach is a is a delicacy there. Really? So, yeah. yeah. Why is that? I, I don't know. Elf, uh, the uh, natives just like it. I mean, it's something they've always done. Huh. Uh, protein's hard to come by for natives uh, the, yeah. in the rural villages. And um, I, I did a blog for you know somebody a couple years ago that was called uh, Bow Hunter, uh, a an African villager's best friend, mm-hmm. and it was just about how hunting supports them as far as employment provides food for them mm-hmm. um and uh, really a way of of earning a living in a in a very rural area where there's very very little em- employment okay um so i was going back to th- one of three things and i forgot yep 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 so the first one is that it gets butchered up in the, yeah, in the yeah. shop yep. everything everything gets eaten nothing goes to waste yep. zebra whatever uh, so that's that's always good. Uh, it's you see lots of game. If you want to if you want to shoot a kudu and you go to a place that has them, and almost every place has kudu and pala, uh, you're going to see not, not one like you might see one elk. You're going to see dozens of kudu. Mm. And 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 in some places, uh, if you're hunting, it's one price for anything you shoot. Mm-hmm. Others cater more to trophy hunters. If you want a really big one, like you, like you wanted to shoot a one sixty whitetail, or mm. a, or a or a three twenty five elk, mm-hmm. uh, like a fifty four inch kudu is in that range. Okay. So you know if that's what you want, then you would just pass up a lot of them. Um, the third thing is that the for especially for bow hunting, you often hunt uh, uh, blinds uh, that are near water holes. 
And because in the summer, uh, in June, July, well, mostly July and August, uh, it hasn't rained in the in that in the southern part of the Africa for three to four months. Mm-hmm. So, if you can imagine, it's the dry season is six to eight months long, and so <laughs> vegetation goes away. Yeah. I mean, things dry up, and animals drink almost every day. So, you know, you can sit in a blind and see two to three hundred animals in a day at twenty yards, right? And you have that many creatures that close to you. You can you can take pictures and you know from a tripod, and it just uh, it, it would think if you you took me to a place. And say you got to go in this spot at um, uh, you know a daybreak, and you and we're going to pick you up at dark. It would be a long day. Yeah, <laughs> it never is. I yeah, mean, it's oh, just, that's cool. It is just so there's just you never know what's going to show up. Uh, a giraffe may come in and drink, and do you watch those things? Um, warthogs are coming in constantly. Sows with little ones. Sometimes a big big old boar would come in. It's like your your childhood coming back of going it, to the zoo. It is like being. It's like a Walt Disney movie, and you're on the front row. Yeah. I mean, it is right there in front of you. It's all real. Um, you know, you have to be really careful. Uh, to give you an example, one of the biggest <sighs> goof-ups I've ever had is uh, we had um, the, the one place I hunted had an eland bull. Let me just say this politely, that um, had an infestation of its penis by okay. ticks. <laughs> So Dang. when it walked, it was like a pendulum. Okay. And I mean, it was, it was the kind of thing that you felt sorry for this thing. This yeah. thing shouldn't have to go through a life like this. And anyway, I wanted to try and get that bull and I had 74 hours in a blind waiting for that animal. Now I, I shot one or two other things, but mostly it was just for him. They usually come in right before dark, but not always. So you had to be there in the morning. You had to be there all day. So seven, I think seven and a half days, I finally get a shot. And when I get the shot, because he's coming in right at the end of the day and I had to be so careful, I shot the bl- the window of the blind. Oh, the no. <laughs> and that was it? <laughs> well, it took... It you know it took off and, and of course with a crossbow the arrows are so fast you you can't see and so I, I, we walk out to look at the animal and, and and my grandson's with me Zachary he picks up he says Paul here's your here's your arrow I'm Paul Joe to him so yeah. Paul Joe here's your arrow and I said is there any blood on it no and it wasn't near where the animal was standing I said no how is that possible. <laughs> Well, and, uh, you know, we looked for blood. There wasn't any blood. Uh, I, we just were dumbfounded until we got back in the blind when I looked. And here was the bottom of the, the, bottom of the shooting window had burlap. And uh, there was a big V in the bottom of the, of the burlap. So, yeah. yeah. So, it was 75 hours Shoot. for that, and I didn't get it. Now, on the positive side, I said, well, maybe it'll come back because, again, nothing, no harm done. It was just a funny noise. Right at dark, uh, another one came in. I thought it was the same one, and, and I shot it. This one I shot because <laughs> <laughs> we tracked it, and as it worked out, it was a big old cow instead of this bull. But anyway, I was, I was excited, and, and, and eland are some of the best of the eating animals in, in Africa, okay. and that probably had 1,000 pounds of, of protein. So, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of food. Yeah, that and is. So, I would go back to my three things. You can eat it. <laughs> I do remember. Yep. <laughs> Even at my age, I can still remember. You either eat it, 
uh, or the camp uses it. Uh, a safari company may have uh, 10 or 15 men that work there. Often their wives work there as well, and they have children. I mean, uh, it's not uncommon it's a for a yeah. whole yeah, a whole community to support the hunting operation. And then what's still left over, if that's not enough, then they sell it at local markets. Okay. So and unlike here, you usually can't buy game at yeah. a uh, supermarket. Not they very don't have many. supermarkets. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but so but they sell all kinds of game and they make jerky. Jerky is very common where they dry the meat. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a very common thing in Africa called bulltong. Okay. And they uh, eat, you know, they eat it and sell it widely throughout the country. Okay. And that so that was all three. And then so you, and um what's how, what's the payment like as far as what animals you take? Well, it, it depends. Uh, the, the the I was just on a uh, on a safari where they had a um, they had a special at the and I I usually go to the the various shows the Eastern Sports and Outdoor Show now the NRA Great American Outdoor Show is is the biggest in the country maybe it was the biggest in the world I'm not sure it's mm-hmm. but there are lots and lots of outfitters there the specialty that the special that we went on was a three animal hunt a kudu an impala and um, um, I think a spring buck. Okay. There were three very cool animals in Africa and the cost was $2,500. Okay. So people are coming there specifically like they could be to shoot an elephant, to shoot, you know, an Impala or these packages or whatever. It's yeah, like yeah, you're, you're picking a super, like a specific thing. Um, it's not like a, no, it, well, it, it, a lot of people come for one or two okay. specific things, but then there, there are more than, 30 species of antelope. Mostly you hunt antelope. If you're talking about the big five, that's that's a whole different category. What are the big five? That are um, elephant, lion, rhino, leopard, and buffalo. Okay. Cape, Cape buffalo. I, I mean, those those are in the hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes. Really? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I wow. Mean, that's, that's a whole different ball game. But they, uh, just because there's less of them to shoot, they don't want to shoot all of them. They, yeah, yeah. They're, they're very limited. And, and again, uh, the, the, the governments of the various, uh, countries get a huge cut of whatever, yeah. whatever the hunter pays. Okay. They actually have safari areas where people aren't allowed to live. Yeah. Because they, they make so much it, money yeah. from the hunting to support the country it's like a it's like a you know it's like a tax in a way yeah hmm. okay so it's kind of like those big five would be kind of like relating to some really special draw yeah. tags in yeah. the united now, states b- buffalo might be the, the exception to that you can you can hunt a buffalo for 75 to ten thousand seventy five hundred to ten thousand okay which which sounds like a lot but you can spend that on an elk hunt and if you want to go moose hunting in Canada or in Alaska, those hunts now are sometimes over twenty. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable how expensive hunting has gotten. Africa is by far the best hunting value of any place in the world. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good that's a good thought. Um, then, as far and you can you did it with a crossbow. I've done it with bow, black powder, rifle, compound. Gotcha. Just everything but slingshot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no spears. If you're going in there and throwing those. No, I'm not a slocker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, cool. And then, uh, and so you obviously like it because you keep going back. At one point in time, you you asked me if I was willing to come yeah. and film it, and I wasn't wasn't free to do so. But um, 
but yeah, um, that's that's really uh, quite the quite the experience, I'm sure. It, it, it is. It's a, it's a wonderful experience. I, I and I give you an example of that. Now, the last place I went to, and, and I won't <clears throat> I won't mention the name, but the guy can, assured me that it was a bow hunting property that I could, you know, that people bow hunt there all the time. When I got there, that wasn't the case. Okay, the the, the yeah. guides. I met the PHs. They said, "You want to do what?" Yeah, <laughs> that's you not need, a good sign, th- Uncle. That Joe. is not a good sign. Okay, yeah. the the people that rifle hunted had the time of the, including my grandkids. I took my daughter and the, my three grandsons. Mm-hmm. So I took. All, <laughs> it was like a once in a lifetime <laughs> yeah. trip due to the expense. But yeah, but they they had just the time of their life, and I'm so happy that they did. I had a cousin go too, who I've. I've been trying to convince to go for a long time. He finally convinced his wife to let him go. Mm-hmm. So, so he and his wife and his daughter uh, went. His daughter was had never hunted, and um, because we were going to the eastern Cape of South Africa, where there's a lot of tourism, a lot of game parks. Um, you can go shark fishing. You can go scuba diving. You can do a lot of stuff there that that you can't do in Central Africa. Um, and and he had he wrote me a, a letter or sent me an email and saying just, just what a life changing experience it was for him. And and the cool thing is his daughter who was 20, she wanted to be a pharmacist, um, had, had never hunted, was never interested in hunted hunting, but, but she went out with her dad and her mom every day. And, uh, towards the end of the hunt, she said, dad, I'd like to shoot a spring buck. And so that's cool. they went down to the range and, and had her sight in, you know, shoot a rifle and make sure that she knew what she was doing. And, uh, and the guides took her out and there are lots of, sp- I mean, there are thousands of springbuck in Africa or like antelope in Wyoming. I mean, mm-hmm. just lots of them. Yeah. So it wasn't too hard to get on one, but she made a good one shot kill. And um, they put blood on her face and did, you know, had a lot of fun <laughs> with her. <laughs> they do to rookies and so forth. And, uh, one of the things my cousin said was, my daughter can't wait to go back. She wants to do this again. Wow. So um, th- there you take a, 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 a non-hunting family, and yeah. now you have a total hunting family. For sure. So, yeah, that's, uh, I, was, I was thrilled about that. And i say the other people the same way. They all, they all got the game animals they were after, but the deal was it was a rifle hunting camp. Mm-hmm. The, the bow hunting was really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So what you're saying is it makes sense to um, do a little research to and make sure. I, I, you know, I should know better. I, I, if you are going to go hunting with somebody, it doesn't matter if it's in Maryland or Wyoming or Africa, you need to talk to some, some clients who have been there before. Ask for references. And if they won't give you references, then you're wasting your time. Go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Because if I had called somebody, they would have said, oh, well, it was a rifle hunt. I don't know that. They did have some blinds that you could hunt, but... That isn't what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go and do blind hunting. I wanted to do spot and stalk, and and I was successful. But wow, I mean, Difficult. it was it was grueling. There was a the taxidermy shop is right by, uh, is part of the camp actually. Uh, I mean, it's a hundred yards from from our camp. I I never got there, mm. even though I was there every day because it was just like hunting turkeys. I mean, you got up an hour and a half or two hours before dark and you didn't return back until dark or, you know, an hour later you had dinner and then have a drink and around the fire, that kind of thing. It's time to go to bed and do it all over again. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh with the, the rifle hunters had enough success that, you know, there was some free time in their schedules, but not in mine. Yeah. 
Um, you you made me think of another question about. Oh yeah, um, have you ever hunted with your wife? Um, uh, my, let me just. That's that's a good question. Um, my wife has gone with me. Yes, okay, uh, a number of times. And she's gone enough times that she isn't interested in going anymore. Okay, she's done that and had some. She one time took a couple of her friends along, her girlfriends. Okay, and and just to clarify, I am asking just straight up hunting, not Africa. Yeah. So yeah. Oh. Um. No, I've never taken my wife. Now my daughter. Went hunting, this is a funny story too, uh, for the first time with me at about 25. Okay. I, I wanted her to go along when she was younger. She was always with a friend. She played volleyball. She did this. She just wasn't interested. Yeah. So one, she said, came home for Thanksgiving. She said, Dad, I'd love to go deer hunting. I thought, all right, finally. <laughs> Early Christmas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> finally. So we she get we get there and the uh, or uh, the night before I try and get everything together. Uh, I've talked about the kind of clothes she wears and you know what it's going to be like and, and I always see bucks at this stand that we're going to hunt nearby and so we get up early and and go have breakfast in camp and it's all like everyone's all excited we go out and get in the car and I said uh, Alex where's the gun I don't know Dad don't you have it. We didn't. We didn't have the rifle. Oh, <laughs> so the and the deal is everyone gets to their stands early so that you don't have any last minute traffic going through. Mm-hmm. You know, so we had to drive half an hour back from camp to our house oh, <laughs> to man. get the rifle and come back. And of course, you know that story had to be told, and I had to hear about it forever and ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did she get something? No, she okay. did not. We did not get a shot that day. Yeah. And, uh, but but later on, she did she did go antelope hunting. Okay. I've never been antelope hunting. What's that? What's that like? Well, uh, it uh, can be very different. That's for sure. There's uh, uh, depends if you're rifle hunting. Uh, if you're rifle hunting, it's often long range shooting. Uh, if you're bow hunting, uh, an exciting way to hunt them is uh, uh, almost like our fanning that we do with uh, uh, with turkeys is they will come to a decoy. Uh, if you can sneak up within a hundred or one hundred and fifty yards of a of a herd buck and pop up an immature model of a de- of a an antelope, mm-hmm. they come running right at you. I mean, just oh, that's cool on a dead run. Yeah, it's 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 heart pounding excitement. One of the the first times I I went hunting for antelope. Uh, I met Chad Scher at, at the archery trade show, and uh, Chad was an outfitter then. He has, I think, a TV show now. Um, but And Chad had this new ranch, and he wanted to have people tell people about it. And so he said, would you be interested in hunting there? And I said, sure. But I had to do one of my principal weekend hunts. I said, I got to yeah. arrive uh, Thursday night. I'll be in camp Friday morning, and I have to leave on Sunday. And at that time, when you bought a, a license in Montana, you got an elk license, a deer license, and a, an antelope license. Mm-hmm. So we sh- I showed up in camp, and uh, he had a real unique ranch to hunt on. These uh, It had these big uh, stone bluffs, and the mule deer would bed under these bluffs. And so the, the strategy was you watched them in the morning with, uh, with binoculars. You tried to find a good buck. Watch it bed down, and then you take an hour and make a long circular stalk. And as it worked out, we spotted a good one about eight o'clock. About nine o'clock, I started the stalk, 
And at 10 o'clock, I shot him at eight yards. Oh, nice. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was an eight yards. I came over the top of the, the ledge, and he was right below me. He didn't see me. Holy cow. And uh, and shot him, and uh, he, he died right in his bed. I mean, he never, he never got up. So the, um, uh, the, um, the ranch manager is a person who was my guide, and he said, okay, well, let's take him back to the shed. And they had a really nice uh, butchering shop there. So we hung it up and, and skinned it and so forth, like you usually do with deer. And um, he said, by the way, we have a blind out here. He said, sometimes the antelope come in at noon. Why don't I get you out there and while I finish up here? I said, sure, that sounds good. So we went out to the to the blind, and uh, he he dropped me in. It was an it was a kind of a junk pile of of uh, odd branches and so forth that wasn't mm-hmm. very sophisticated. But he said, "I'm going to go get some more bushes and we'll make it better." So uh, again, I had flown most of the night and I yeah, had to get tired. up early, and so I was I'm sitting in this dark blind and I'm trying to stay awake. And suddenly I hear hooves pounding, and um, I look up and here comes a herd of antelope coming in to drink. Cause it was by a, by a small water hole. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the last one in was, a was a male and, uh, I drew back and shot him and, uh, I, I watched him go down. He went about 75 yards. So when the, the ranch manager came back with the shrubs, the hunt was over. That's fine. <laughs> nice. So, so by one o'clock on opening day, I had gotten, uh, about a one fifty class muley and, uh, and a 15 inch, uh, antelope. Now, and I said to him, I said, now, I still have an elk tag. Is it too crazy to go out for elk? And we, we actually did go out that day. Um, and we didn't get one that day, but the next day I did. Oh, actually, wow. So I, in the three days. He's a killer. Uh, <laughs> That's crazy, Uncle Joe. In the three days, I got, um, I got the, th- the three animals. And now the one thing, my daughter visited me then because this was in, uh, she was living in Bozeman, Montana at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I hunted in Montana for about six or seven years. And that's because uh, if I went and hunted there, I got to visit her and she, and she didn't come in East very often. So it was a, a treat to go out and see her. And usually there was someplace, something to hunt nearby. And so I could kind of do two things at once. Mm-hmm. And she said, dad, now if you kill an elk, I don't want you to bone it out. I want, we want to hang it in quarters. And I said, well, okay, if that's what you want. Cause I didn't think I was going to get one. <laughs> <laughs> we got one uh that th- I got one that next day and then the on the th- the next day we went out to pack it in we had to leave it out overnight yep and uh I remember being at the trailhead at at daybreak and we put the last quarter in the truck at dark so I mean we spent oh, wow. we spent one full day and, and what was something else I remember is I had a turkey vest I was using on this because of the elk calls and the, the various things I was hunting. And what I learned was if you turn the turkey vest around backwards so that you had the pocket in front, mm-hmm. you could put an elk front quarter in there. Mm. And so I had a backpack on my back with... I know, 50 pounds of elk in it, and yeah, I had a, a good bat trick on the front. Yeah, so I was probably carrying 100 pounds because this other fellow and I, we, we I say we packed the, the whole elk out in pretty much in quarters. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it was a heck of an adventure. Wow. That's pretty cool. Well, I want to bring this up, Uncle Joe. <clears throat> Through the times that we had 
hunting together. The one memorable one that's kind of funny that uh, is, was our elk hunts. Mm-hmm. I need to bring that up because, <laughs> you know, you were uh, probably at the first elk hunt you and I were on. You were pretty deep into your 60s. Um, M- yeah. You know, yeah. Some, well, some, something like that. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah. It yep. would have been so we were mid-50s at least. Yes, yeah, we, for sure. We were in Idaho. Uh-huh. And um, do you remember the fellow Barney LaRue? Uh, I do. Oh, yes. I do <laughs> yeah. remember that. Yeah. So... <laughs> I would grab a couple dudes and we'd go back in and, and backpack and sleep on the mountain and, and do our, our spike camp type situation. And you were, um, hunting water holes and mm-hmm. kind of some strategic places that you could do day hunts. And, um, midway into the hunt, uncle Joe, and it was kind of funny because we'd come back in off of our, like a three day deal up into the mountains. And, um, uh, so we got to exp- see some side of what the results were, but Uncle Joe and Barney LaRue, a good friend from Arkansas back in the day, had been our game calls. We had He was in the industry selling elk calls and turkey calls. Well, you and Barney made your way up to what was my dad's favorite water hole, and uh, one morning, and it was, well, I, I'm pretty sure that it was... You, you, you didn't get to the water hole before daylight. No, they're correct. Yeah. yeah. Actually, when we got there, we got to the place we wanted to be. There was a, a giant pickup truck there with a license plate that said Elk 1. <laughs> so we thought, so oh, well, because we thought we'd had them figured out. We knew where we wanted to go, but the guy was, he was already there. Yep. So we went, we did kind of a circle around up towards that water hole. And you want me to finish the story? And we yeah, well yeah, go ahead, go we, ahead. Uh, we ran in. Uh, actually, uh, Barney saw the saw the elk first. He said, "Hey, there's one," and uh, he uh, we we ducked down, and uh, he was walking past us. And he said, uh, "How how far is it?" And I ranged it, and I said, "55 yards." And he um, he drew back and shot, and it was actually 45 yards. <laughs> he shot over top of it. So the elk went about 10 yards and stopped. And and then I drew my arrow back and I launched and I hit him perfectly. I shot him quarter right right behind one shoulder out the front. <laughs> and so the elk went over the top uh, of the hill and we went up and found him dead there. And the cool thing about it was now we shot that we shot that elk at about eight o'clock. At twelve o'clock we put the last piece of boned out meat in the vehicle. Because it was all downhill. It was only about 200 yards down to the truck. And so, yeah. <laughs> and, and the other thing that was funny, and you, I'll tell you about this. You said, Joe, when you go there to rent a vehicle, don't, don't rent a big one. Just, just buy a cheap car because when you get to the counter, they're going to tell you, hey, would you like to upgrade? You know, we can give you a break on an upgrade mm. and you can get a four-wheel drive vehicle. So I go to I go into the Boise, Idaho to the airport and I, I rent to pick up my little car. It's actually a Dodge Charger. And I thought, a Dodge Charger? That's not much of a hunting vehicle. Anyway, so <laughs> I keep waiting for the person behind the counter to say, would you like the upgrade? And, and finally, it doesn't happen. And I said, I said, you know, usually you guys give me an upgrade option. I said, I'd really like to have a four-wheel drive. And they said, oh, Mr. Byers, you said, there's a golf tournament in town. There's not a four-wheel drive available within 10 miles. <laughs> so, so that morning, we drove... I would be driving up these rugged, rocky, 
Idaho mountains in my Dodge Charger, <laughs> and I would pass these big rigs, you know, that are three feet off the ground coming down. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but here, here, I got to add to this story that Uncle Joel, because he's missing, he's missing a little, a little bit of it. He kind of touched on the yardage that Uncle Joel called, and when he said fifty-five yards to the shot for Barney Larue. And it was actually 45, so he sails the arrow up over the top of the back of the bull. Well, back when Barney gets back to camp after all of this, and he looked at me, and you got to understand Barney. He's from Arkansas, and he just got this dry sense of humor. And he looked at me, and he says, you know what? It is the first time in my life somebody gave me the brother-in-law distance. <laughs> oh, we laughed and laughed and laughed. So the so what was so interesting about that is two years prior when Barney was out there the first time with us and uh he was calling for Toby and Toby Shaw and uh Barney was uh were a state champion like Oklahoma, Arkansas, maybe Missouri where he'd win um calling contest and he he was very good with his calls and so toby took had the opportunity once for barney to do the calling for him and and uh although toby's a good shot with a bow when the elk came in um toby's uh he had issues with his uh release so he was using his secondary backup release and it it uh, launched the arrow premature and sailed it over its back or it hit right at the top of the back and it the bull took a couple jumps and barney shot that bull (laughs) so it was just strange because we all got a tickle i got a special tickle because uh joe you made just a great shot after he had missed and so it was kind of a full circle coming back and then for him to say he he, uncle joe gave him the (laughs) brother-in-law measurement that was money right there yeah, I, I must have arranged a tree or something over his back because, you know, we're all crouched down and you just, you pick up your rangefinder and you push it quickly. And I, I, I honestly didn't intend to just give so him the Just so you wrong. know, Uncle Joe, <laughs> if he was sitting, Barney was sitting here right now, that would not wash. <laughs> <laughs> well, to give you how, tell you how good he was, we saw a mule deer. At one time now we didn't have a mule deer license but i said barney because he was judging distance i said uh, how far do you think that mule deer is he said he looked through his binoculars and looked again he said i'd say 80 yards and i ranged that mule deer he was 78 wow so i mean he knew he said i was going to shoot for i was going to shoot for 45 but you said 55 so. oh no that's worse <laughs> Well, no. <laughs> Uncle Joe, thanks for uh, joining us here at Turkey Camp. Okay. And thanks for joining us on the podcast. Um, we appreciate you coming every year and, okay. and uh, helping us in, in every way that you do and guiding and talking with people and being the uh, the designated elder, whatever you want to say. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we appreciate you, Joe, and we look forward to the next uh, camp that you're here. Okay. Everybody, uh, definitely take a look at our YouTube channel. You'll see Joe on there. Uh, some hooked hunting on YouTube and, uh, leave us a review. Thanks guys.